0: Welcome to the Nevermore podcast. We're here with Larissa and Sheil as we are digging into the spirit of Halloween. Today on the episode, we are talking all things horror and creepy. Welcome to the program. Sheil, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you? Good. So, in our last episode, we were sort of a little bit all over the place as we were trying to get a good method for recording our podcast. But think it is we found Zencaster because this is what we're going to be using from now on. So we're going to change up the way we do the podcast from now on. There will be no advertisements dropped throughout the episode. We're going to just make this completely free-formed, uh, without really much preparation or notes, because we just want to have fun. This is uh, our way of just talking about subjects that we like. And uh, some of what we're going to be doing is reading chapters and excerpts from our novels. So if you're really interested in hearing from our authors themselves, check out one of those episodes as we read directly from the manuscripts. And uh, some of them are not even published yet. So you're going to get sneak peeks and more all on the Nevermore podcast. So I don't know about you, Shield, but I absolutely love october because one of my most favorite things happens other than the fall we get to put costumes on our kids and go out and see them go trick-or-treating is that one of your favorite things to do with your kids is just like go out there and see them go nuts for candy
1: oh definitely and even the big kid that i'm married to i mean the first year that we moved here it was absolutely hilarious we ended up in the local newspaper and he was dressed as a ghost and I swear he got more candy than the kids did.
0: <laughs> it's always fun sometimes. I think Halloween allows you to be some something else. Sometimes we can be really scary things. Sometimes we can be nice things. I think it lets you have a moment of wild abandon. And for those who don't really know the origins of Halloween. This is exactly as it was intended to be. It was supposed to be a night where you could just go out and be something uh, different, a very holy and spiritual day for some. Uh, Others, it was more of like revelry and party. And so I think the spirit of Halloween still exists, even if it's gotten a little commercialized, but that commercialization has allowed us to continue with our traditions and also make new ones. So as we talk about the horror genre, we're going to kind of dig into some things that relate to this whole last two months where we talk about how to write something or how to add things to your writing. We're going to be talking about how to add horror genre in a way that still thrills an audience that is not so easily terrified anymore. I don't know how the community out there feels, but personally, it's getting harder to scare people. I find that it's the movies are getting more gory instead of more scary, because it is hard to scare generations of people that grew up with uh, films like, um, you know, Nightmare Before Elm Street and, uh, and and all the Jason films. When you've been desensitized for so long, less, like us old people, it's really hard to get a scare out of us.
1: And then there's people like us who are just horror is our thing, like myself personally. I grew up. Cutting my teeth on horror movies, everything from the cl- cheesy classics of Candyman and Leprechaun to Chucky. To oh, and these days it's I prefer the ones that are like insidious, um, sinister. Instead of the well, I don't mind Annabelle. I don't like the new ones. Uh, I do want to see the nun one that's associated with, but it's it's the the origins that really drop the ball for me on that one but the first one wasn't too bad
0: yeah i um didn't really like annabelle uh as much um i had a hard time with the whole insidious and conjuring series mostly because i found that the conjuring series didn't really uh connect to each other that well uh when you watch the nun it's kind of confusing and doesn't really seem to link up to the other movies as they claim. Uh Insidious in- kind of linked up, but I felt that the second one was not as good as the first one and third one. So I think um sometimes when you get into like horror series, uh you have expectations going in or you want to see like a resolution to it and then when the resolution comes, you're kind of like, well, that was kind of lazy writing. It-, it was almost like the people who are on it are also tired of the series (laughs) so they're just trying to figure out a way to like uh classically end it but sometimes those endings are pretty bad and then you're like why did you kill that guy (laughs) or it was you know it was the mailman like really um and so there's sometimes our expectations are kind of broken
1: yeah that's true um in, for insidious it was pretty gory but i think i liked sinister better because that was a mind bend on top of the gory because that one was just oh, that was beyond gory that one was uh something else especially using the the children as the the conduit you know And for children to be murdering other people is just, it's
0: like Children of the Corn style murder, but worse. Do you prefer the ones that are sort of mind-bending rather than the thriller uh, slasher types? Absolutely. Uh, Don't get me wrong, I love Freddy, I love Jason,
1: they're classics. I love Ash and the Evil Dead, it's a classic. Oh my god, Ash and the Evil Dead, don't get me started on that classic. But I do like the Mindbenders because it takes you one way and then all of a sudden you end up somewhere completely different.
0: Yeah, exactly. I like those too. I really... I, I do not like Flashers at all. Um, they're not my favorite to watch. I will watch them because they're kind of funny sometimes, but I don't prefer them uh, to other types of horror. Um, my favorites are the ones that are more psychological and you know, really involve like more um, you don't really quite know what's going on kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I I think that that's kind of cool when you don't really know what's happening. You don't really know what's going on. And so I like those kind of ones. Uh, For example, um, I really enjoyed the horror film Oculus. I didn't have any expectations of what it was going into it, Um, but it really got me a few times and actually did frighten me to... a a large degree and I don't usually get scared very easily but that movie kind of got me Um, and there's a few like that that I really enjoyed because just the creep factor was really good.
1: I'd have to say though overall my favorite is a jump scare horror now uh, a lot of people probably know this movie it's from uh, it's from a while back and it's the Mary Shaw movie where it's called it's dead silence my favorite quote out of the movie is the actual poem about mary shaw the beware of the stare of mary shaw she had no children only dolls and if you see her in your dreams be sure to never scream or she'll rip your tongue at the seam that's a classic like old school kind of movie
0: yeah it's interesting when you compare you know the older types of horror films to the newer ones it's it goes back to what i'm saying about it used to be that we got frightened by things that um were scary in our childhood for example you know like porcelain dolls i don't think there's a lot of people that are not afraid of those things um and all of us had probably somebody's house either aunt or grandmother that had at least one porcelain doll, porcelain and doll. That was always sure. the, yeah that was always the room you ended up sleeping, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, we come by our fears naturally because, for us of our generation, uh, there was actually a lot of things you could be afraid of because at that time, we lived through generations of when society was scaring the children that were out there. For example, all of us should remember of our generation being afraid of going trick or treating because there could be razor blades in your apples, and that was a real fear. Uh, There was also a huge fear of Satanists, which wasn't really real. Um, And people were a little bit easier to scare. That's why around the 80s and 90s, you had films that were uh, really around like witchcraft and cult films, for example, like Warlock, uh, like um, any of that genre where you have very specific like Rosemary's Baby uh, and films like that, where Cults and Satanists were considered to be like really frightening. And then, you know, past the 2000s, that kind of wasn't really a thing anymore. And it sort of went to more um, hack and slash type movies. Then you had, uh, you know, the evolution through the 70s, 80s, and 90s of like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, all the Freddie and Jason movies. And you had uh, The Hills Have Eyes. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that was when you had like the slashers, and that was mostly through the 80s, correct?
1: Mostly through the 80s, the early 90s, and a bit into the mid 90s, but uh, a lot of it has to to also do with uh, perception. Um, Back in the 70s and the 60s, uh, the perception was that anything that could contaminate you was scary. Again, going back to your razor blades and the apples, that was actually very false, and misinformation got around back then slower, but stuck around longer. Here it gets around fast in today's age of technology, but it doesn't stick around as, as long. So we dismiss things a little bit more, like the razor blades in the apple or, you know, the, the needles in the Tootsie Roll kind of deal. We dismiss those because think... we know better
0: right and i think that part of it too is is because society itself has changed like when you look at the like you said people were afraid of more contamination things like in in the 1950s you had horror that was mostly about um like the blob uh dracula um vampires were a big thing in the 50s and 60s uh 60s were more like cult films like um I'm trying to think of, like, one off the top of my head, but it was, like, mostly involving either witches or Satan, (laughs) like, in the 60s, and honestly, if you're a fan of um, Mystery Science Theater 3000, they actually did a series of uh, ones where they went and watched really creepy movies from the 60s, and a few of them were just I mean, if you watch them today, you're going to be watching it and going like, why is this even scary? <laughs> but but to people then, it was really frightening to think that, uh, you know, there was a coven of witches down your street that were trying to eat you or something. And so um, this was really real. And, and really, if you look at the timeline of why these movies were created, it was because of what was going on. Like in the 1950s, when you had horror movies that were based on like chemicals and contamination, it was mostly driven because of the war. In the 60s, when you had movies about cults, it was because children were expressing uh, free expansion into different kinds of religious beliefs. And so movie houses kind of like ran with that. And as the rise, in especially in the United States, of the movement of Wicca and, and witchcraft kind of became um, much more to the f- forefront around the 60s, the movie industry kind of took over. Uh, same in the 70s and 80s, the fear of like strangers and others and things like that started to become more ingrained in society. And so you had an evolution then. So horror has always reflected what the people uh, living are afraid of. That's exactly what horror is for,
1: right? In the 60s, you've got your, as you mentioned, Rosemary's Baby. Uh, Nobody wants to see a baby go through suffering or a parent, right? That plays off of a parent's mind. Uh, You've got American Psycho from Alfred Hitchcock or Psycho. Uh, Peeping Toms, they were worried about in the 60s. Repulsion, that's about contamination of the body and mind. Uh, Village of the Damned, right there, plays off of... uh, religion and contamination of a virus um black sabbath there's your cult um you've got your house of usher horror hotel uh, a whole bunch of things Uh, children of the corn was one of their one of the very first stephen king ones out there um now we've got a second pet cemetery these days it it's all has to do with the things of contamination of religion and belief and morals, contamination of the body, uh, you know, uh, corruption of the mind, corruption of innocence. That's what horror is for.
0: Yeah, and it really is designed to make you think as well and to kind of put you in a different framework. And I know that a lot of people think that that's funny when I say that because it's like horror makes you think about anything. Like, isn't it just about, you know, body count? But some horror actually makes you reflect on society, on the way we treat each other, on the way we view things. Um, for example, it, I kind of think you could look at as a how we view each other, uh, how we believe each other, um, our doubts about people can all be kind of seen in it because nobody believes that these kids are actually seeing this thing and adults don't want to accept that the children are telling the truth. And that falls
1: into um, what Stephen King said about it, uh, the controversial child orgy that I made a blog post about last month, I believe it was, that he himself said that that was a representation in the 50s, because that's where the book is set is in the 50s, or at least the first half of the book anyway, um, is the transition from childhood to adulthood. Adults don't, you're right, adults don't see monsters anymore because they've become desensitized to it. But children will, and in order to to transition or to come back together and you know fight off something that as adults they weren't supposed to see when they come back is to make those connections
0: exactly and if you look at this in fiction like you said the classics of poe again you're talking about a society um, in which fears were very easy to lay into the psychology of people Uh, the victorians have a huge plethora of horror and i know that people these days when they read something like mary shelley's frankenstein or edgar Allan poe's uh, the house of usher or room Morgue, you're not understanding what is so scary about these things they don't seem scary it kind of seems silly in retrospect but to the people then uh these are real things like mary shelley uh apparently uh i believe i came across several things that she had written about but the reason that she wrote frankenstein is that she used to walk down the streets of London and see the corpses lying out for the morgue. Because back then, they didn't have any way of really storing bodies. So they used to, uh, at the medical schools, leave out stacks of corpses for the doctors to study. And this was a very common thing. And she had a difficult time seeing these bodies on the street. And so she wrote Frankenstein because of that. Because in her mind she was developing, like, what would happen if these doc What would happen with these new medical advances? Like, what if they could reanimate a corpse? And I think a lot of horror writers do the same thing as Mary Shelley. You see the world in this very weird, twisted, psychopathic way. Um, You look at things as not being normal, but, like, how could you perceive that as being the most negative? And and that takes a special kind of mindset. I almost feel like it's something that, you know, they would pin and flank you. (laughs) I was like, potential serial killer. uh, Anyone who writes horror. I'm
1: surprised that, you know, your side of the border FBI doesn't come knocking on my door for some of my Google searches when I'm writing and being research. Or my side, the CSIS, comes to my door knocking because some of my Google searches are exactly what you're saying.
0: Yeah, and you have to imagine that that's what original writers went through. I mean, they didn't have Google, but they, they had real experiences. And we don't have that now because our world is so, quote-unquote, clean. And I, I'm using that word as more metaphorical in that we don't see corpses in the street. We don't have a lot of technological advances right now that would make you be sort of somewhat you know, fearful of what the future is because we've become a comfortable With technology, although I do have to say like shows like Black Mirror are making me think twice about the technology that we are inventing Um, because we could uh, create something that's kind of horrific with the technology that we have now, especially since we've gotten so good at um, manipulating viruses and cells, we could easily uh, create a plague like uh, for example the movie world war z was kind of based around that idea so it's it's not so far-fetched to believe that the things around us the natural order of things could be could be really used for evil and i think that's what horror writers really view is they look at the world and they think okay if if i was an upside down crazy land what would it really look like and so you get that kind of Uh, you know, extreme society being showed out through a movie. For example, uh, I don't know if anyone out there has seen it, but Get Out and Us by the newest director, Jordan Peele, are a total uh, complete 180 on how we view horror films. Uh, Get Out especially was the first film I've ever seen in which uh, African-American actors really take a huge role. And the racism that was in that film is not subtle. And it was the first time I ever saw like an in your face uh, real view about how some white people view African-American people. Um, And the same with us. I was completely surprised by that film and it's still kind of creepy because there's nothing worse in my opinion. Than seeing the thing that's trying to kill you just standing there smiling, and having no you smiling back. Yeah,
1: it's almost for these two movies. I would say they're taking real world, new world issues, putting them to the forefront because they are are horrifying, like the Get Out racism. Uh, Plus, they're taking old school horror where the contamination of the body with the medical procedures and Get Out. Um, you know switching brains basically you know someone's stealing your body that's like classic body snatchers mixed with real world horrors of racism and then the us it's, it's fighting your inner demons is I think the main goal of that movie is that your inner demons are just as horrifying as some of the real world outside things can be
0: exactly and I think that's Again, it comes back to the, you know, why horror writers write this way. And so I think this is point number one that we're getting at is look at the society that we are living in now and think about how those things could go wrong. And I know that a lot of people think, well, everything's been written, everything's been done, that's why we're not coming up with you know there's no real new movies in some degree or another you could probably get away with saying that because there, there isn't like new concepts but you you can still modify those things so i think one of the ways you could probably do that is to look at uh, climate change and then think about well what okay what if the world does not have resources okay now think about the stress that would cause on human beings what kind of society would form if you have limited resources? And this would be a great start to a horror film.
1: Absolutely. And then let's take um, an example would be Don't Breathe. Um, they took some a man who was blind and he was the villain. They start off in the movie where these kids are robbing this blind man, but it turns out they aren't the villain. It's the disabled, quote unquote, disabled person who's completely blind who ends up being the villain and the,
0: the antagonist. Which is really an interesting way of perceiving someone who has what you would consider a lack of ability. So point number two is... Think about the unlikely, unlikely suspect and think about what you could make that be. Uh, it could be anyone and anything. And you can really make good twists with that because I've seen some films where the expectation of who really was the villain in it was completely turned on its head. And then you were like, whoa, it was that guy? Like you didn't see that coming at all. And it it's a good idea to kind of like think differently about people and perhaps taking innocent people and somewhat corrupting them to be not so innocent.
1: Yeah. That's exactly the point I was going to, I wanted to make too, but you said it more eloquently than I did.
0: It's just, what, corrupting the innocent?
1: corrupting (laughs) the innocent. Um, As a horror writer, I'm pretty darn good at that. Not in real life, I swear. I don't corrupt innocent people. I'm not a real murderer. I I have the same mindset as Stephen King where he said, and I say the same thing, thank God we're writers because otherwise we'd be mass killers or mass murderers. It's the writing that keeps us from murdering people.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then you have sort of the section of horror that's more like cheesy for example boo which was from tyler perry uh in his Medea series and for those who may not be aware of this but it was really cool to watch down here on october 5th tyler perry opened his first fully owned uh movie studio and he is the first african american to do so apparently he bought land that used to be a confederate army base and he used that to make Uh, a huge studio with 12 sound stages, named after very famous black Hollywood icons. And then he is going to be making films that support very independent uh, directors. And I think that this is a really cool thing. So it's uh, really neat to see um, that, you know, you can have, people have really big success. And give us, like, a different genre, which is more like the uh, comedy horror. For example, like, Scary Movie uh, and Scary Movie 2. And I think there was, like, three of them. And then you have, you know, Medea's Boo. Yeah. What's that? I
1: believe there's Scream as well. Or something along that lines, so Or it's probably in the Scary Movie where Scream is uh, satir- satirical in that movie. I remember something about yeah. Scream. Uh, also, you've got Medea's Halloween like, there's two
0: or yeah, three that's what of the, them. I think it's called Boo, right? Like when, yeah. Something like that.
1: Um, but I, I have to say, congratulations, Tyler Perry. Uh, it's a massive, massive step forward. And I hope it's very successful.
0: Yeah, and I know that people are like, why did you even mention that? It's not relating to what you're talking about. But far, it sort of is because what we're trying to say is that you could, you can have any kind of horror genre that you want. And whereas Tyler Perry is more comedic horror, um, people like him are allowing uh, films to be created that we don't even know the context for yet, because they haven't been written. So we don't know out of Tyler Perry's studio if we're gonna see a whole new line of horror similar to Jordan Peele's. And so you have these new directors coming out and thinking about ways to modify uh, our perceptions and modify the types of horror that are out there. So horror isn't always meant to be scary, it can be somewhat uh, hilarious, it can make you think, it can uh, sometimes not be as scary as you imagine it being, Uh, it can be just about the body count, there are different kinds of horror. And so it's important to know that when you're researching horror genres uh, to begin looking at the classics but also then look at the new uh, horror genres and the new horror writers. Yeah, I completely agree. Definitely,
1: horror, just like any other genre, does need a little bit of uh, research. Um, Horror, I would say, is one of the only genres that I think every author would fall into as writing what you know. Because we've all experienced some level of horror, whether it be we saw it on the news, or you you saw that accident happen while you were on your way to work. Those are no horrifying thing is any less than some other horrifying thing some are on a larger scale than others but we've all experienced some sort of horrifying thing so we all know what we're writing
0: right exactly so i think on this podcast today we're just going to review some of the different types of horror and give our opinions on kind of the movie classes that you might want to to watch to kind of get ideas for that type of genre so let's just discuss genre type one the horror that is inside a house so these would be films like Amityville, the house on haunted hill uh, and the newest one on netflix which name just completely escaped me right now uh, hill house which was an excellent show and everybody should watch that it's very good Uh, There's probably a ton of other ones, but those are three examples of where you can look at uh, horror that is about an object, a house, or sort of what they call like a more psychological horror, correct?
1: Uh, Well, I would say that, uh, yes, psychological horror falls under that. Uh, Also, it's an object haunting more than people, or paranormal, paranormal. Uh, well, mind you, paranormal can happen to the actual individual as well. Uh, people can be haunted as well. Um, I don't exactly think we should call people objects, but it, it falls into that category as well. People getting haunted because that can follow you. There was just a movie on television. Oh, uh, well, I was, I was caught bits and pieces of it because I was working obviously at the same time. Uh, It was in the background, and it was about these folks who had, I guess, opened a rift in one house, and it was three of them, and this thing started haunting them from a different parallel universe, and just wanted to, to come into their universe, and was using them as the conduit, and haunting them, and possessing them. So that would, I think, sure. would fall under the same category as well.
0: So in writing in that genre, our tip would be to kind of think about your natural environment and then how you could modify it. For example, there is some sort of creep factor about leaving it, living in the house that other people have lived in. Have someone died there? Was there um, something on the land where the house was built? For example... Uh, see poltergeist. <laughs> um, that was there. Some rituals that were going on in this house. Like you, your imagination could go wild. And for me, this is kind of one of my favorite horror films or horror film genres because to me, when I was a kid, there was nothing more frightening than the, like the creepy house at the end of the block. Or that. Tap, and tap, so, happened behind you when
1: you're like in the <laughs> dark and your flashlight went out and you're like,
0: no. Yeah, and there's a really good uh, one that I – I mean, it's not even rated R. It's like PG-13, but it's still kind of creepy. There's one called In the Dark, and it's about a little girl who goes and lives in a house, and it's infested with these little evil tooth fairies that actually try to, like, kill you to take your teeth. And it it's absolutely horrifying. Like, it, it wasn't even rated R, like I said, but it gets you in that – the house is not safe because everywhere you go, these little tiny things are like in the walls and they're in the drains and they're in the, like they're everywhere. That reminds me of people
1: under the stairs.
0: Oh yeah. That, yeah, that's a good one. And uh, even to some degree or another, La La Rona takes place in a lot of homes uh, where it, it basically, what I'm saying is like, there are films that talk about the, the violation of the sanctity of the home. And so we are all given this perception that the four walls that we live in are safe. And so horror genres mess up that vision by making it seem like you can't even be safe in the walls because the walls could be out. It takes the fear of invasion of space
1: and amplifies that. It's it's one of the major horrifying experiences
0: that none of us wants to experience. Right. So that's, that's, that's like one type of horror genre. And we just gave some, Examples. Okay, so another type of horror, and it kind of crosses what we just said, is fear of the paranormal. And this is a very long time fear, because people have been afraid of, like, ghost spirits, things that um, I don't believe exist, but people are afraid of like the unnatural. And this, again, is a violation of normal a violation of nature, a violation of what we perceive as being like the end of things, which is i.e. death. And so really good paranormal ones, I thought. Um, um, I really thought La La Rona was quite scary. I also really liked The Woman in Black. Um, I loved Winchester House. That is probably the coolest movie ever. And I'm very fortunate to live in the state of which the Winchester Mansion exists. Uh, and so there are officially
1: big huge green jelly bean but you live so close to the winchester house
0: yeah and uh for anyone out in california they had just launched a new experience now called unhinged uh what happens is you get to enter the winchester uh, house in the dark you get to go to it says here during this suspenseful walkthrough experience You will trespass into forbidden rooms of the house never before seen by the public, confront malicious spirits, and enter terrifying scenes that will reveal the home's twisted tales and secrets. You will be welcomed home by the residents, but will they let you leave? Prepare yourself to come unhinged on a frightening and mind-bending Halloween-haunt experience unlike anything else. This sounds amazing (laughs) and if I could do the stairs I totally would be going Uh, but the Winchester Ranch is like one of the coolest places around I've driven past it several times but that movie um it really does get you but it also made me feel intensely sad and I think some of the paranormal films kind of do that um even when the spirit is kind of evil it kind of makes you feel bad for them in some degree or another.
1: I mean, they had to suffer to be there, right? The the going ideal is is that suffering while dying is what keeps people stuck there, instead of uh, quote unquote going to the light or passing over. So in a way, yeah, in a really? yeah, sure, I could see why you would feel bad for the the antagonist or the villain or the bad guy that's a ghost. Of course, of course, you would because they had to suffer to be there.
0: Yeah, sometimes those horrors kind of end with like, the person achieving peace. And so you realize that um, the spirit wasn't actively trying to harm people, but harming people because of of their nature. The anger and the frustration
1: of not being understood. And I think that's a, a nice different twist on something like winchester house the actual movie is that's what they were trying to achieve is it's not always as you perceive it to be it's not always that they're bad it's just that they're stuck they're frustrated and they're talking to you but you're not listening or you're not hearing it yeah
0: there's probably gonna be a lot of spoilers in this episode but whatever um in the Winchester House movie, she does have this powerful moment where she sort of says, and I'm totally paraphrasing, that the ones that are really bad, she keeps there. and Because the ones that can be crossed over, you know, they they came to peace. But she said that there are ones that, that can never leave. And I think there there is that sense of, you know, what if you can't help someone who's uh, deceased and not able to cross over what if a spirit stays with you no matter what you you do there is again it's this fear of like things that bend the rule of nature things that are are just our worst fears that there isn't an end that we don't just die and become immaterial but we're stranded and trapped to this environment and i think to some people that's, that's scary. a really huge fear. Especially yeah, it's it scary. Their
1: mainstream religion and they're either protestant, catholic, christian, etc. Nothing wrong with it. Uh, I have plenty of friends that are in the mainstream religion. Even if I'm not, uh, we all have different views. Um where their view is there's a life after death. But if they're if you get stuck, you're not going to heaven. You're stuck there. And that's kind of like a personal kind of hell. Is that what God meant? Or, you know, their their interpretation of God meant as your personal hell. Maybe Satan and hell and the devil don't actually exist in a different plane. They're already here.
0: Exactly. And I totally agree with that. So there is that type of, of uh, scary movie. A really good one to watch if you're really into, you know, super cool paranormal movies is one called Haunter. It is really good, and I I will give many spoilers when I'm explaining this movie, but it's an excellent movie. So basically, we we see this girl who wakes up, and she doesn't know where she is, and the whole film follows this girl, and she believes that she is being haunted, Uh, but what happens is you find out it's not what it seems, and I really highly recommend this movie. It is an excellent example of totally twisting your perception of, of reality and uh, it really messes with you. So really good film, really frightening. It's a, it's a classic and that was actually uh, on Netflix and I don't know if anyone else there has Netflix or Hulu or Amazon, but all three of those um, companies now have these independent movies that they are producing by themselves the, every single one of them so far that I have watched has been excellent like better quality than paying to go to the movies to see uh netflix had that hill house series uh netflix has had um oh, what's the current one that you and i were saying like kind of reminds us as bone jar but basically it's this guy that's like stalking this girl and really good oh, um, we had this conversation the other day didn't we I can never, like, the names of films sometimes escape me. I'll Google it while I'm talking, but um, it was really good. And I just find that, like, lately. Um, I find the, the independents day, are doing better these days than actual Hollywood for the
1: most part.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And Hollywood's getting really annoyed with that. That was it. It was called U, You, Y O U. Yes. And uh, it is really, really good. Um, it is a terrifying terrifying uh thing where this guy joe just like completely creeps on this girl and just highly addictive show really good to watch and it's very Um, very
1: real world happening too it's not like you know they take these extremes paranormal moments no it's it's real world someone could actually do this kind of movie
0: yeah exactly and they've had some other ones um too and there was one on hulu i think it's like the book of tales or book of stories or something like that it was this collection of uh horror films from around the world mm-hmm. um i'm seeing if i can find the name of it it was really um really amazing so basically it's um these bunch of directors from around the globe uh, post their um scary movies uh or scary legends and they made little tiny films of each of the legends um and it, it's really good um let me see if i can find the name of it. i can't remember the name of it i will see if i can find, uh find it as we're talking but basically it was just these um it was really really cool and i can't find the name sorry but if you're on hulu it's uh, uh in the horror section but it basically is a bunch of directors from around the world that show little frightening movies like for example one of them is um this guy comes across a fairy that promises him um uh, gold as long as he does what she asks him to and she makes him eat other people mm-hmm and then they, these people in town find out that this guy is like digging up corpses and eating them. So they go after him and arrest him. And he's like, well, but I'm, I'm supposed to be like immune because I got this power and they take, take him to this place where he quote sees this fairy, and there's, there was never anything there. Mm-hmm. Like it's an empty road and there's just nothing. Um, It, it, it was just really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's another one that's
1: on netflix too but this is actually a tv series out of belgium uh it's in french mind you because belgium right and it's called uh zone blanche but in english they've named it black spot and it's uh it's cerebral mixed with paranormal mixed with crime it's about a police chief and an eccentric new prosecutor investigating a string of grisly crimes in a very high crime, small town. And then there's these eerie phenomena that isolates the town at the edge of their forest. Now, the direct translation of Zone Blanche is actually White Zone, but they've decided to rename it in English. There are subtitles... So, if you're not a quick or a subtitle reader, or you don't like subtitles, not a movie or a TV series, sorry for you. But I've watched most of it, and absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal. And again, an independent.
0: Yeah, it and so these movie houses are giving us like a totally new uh, form of um horror which is really cool. And don't get me wrong, um, I love Bloomhouse's stuff,
1: too. And, you know, oh, yeah. I love all of the original horror folks that have been out there out of Hollywood, just absolutely adore them. They've made great classics, or now classics, but the independents are really sneaking up on them.
0: And, you know, and again, this gives us, uh, 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 brings us sort of home to the point that we're trying to make, is that the... As horror evolves and becomes something different, you can come up with different ideas and get inspired by uh, d- new directors who are coming and giving you something new. So don't discount looking at resources like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, The independents, who are giving voice to new directors who are giving you new ideas. So a lot of writers go to film to get inspired. And we're just giving you like the films because there's no way I can encompass the amount of horror literature that is out there. I think but, we outpate, I think horror literature actually outpaces
1: a lot of most other genres of literature for the most part, except for a course textbook.
0: Yeah. And it, so there's just no way to cover the amount of people that <laughs> write in horror. Um, but if you want inspiration, it's the the easiest way to go is to go and look at the movies and then go to your horror section in any store and start looking at the people who write those type of movies. Because a lot of the movies that are out there are based on novels. And so it's not that hard to make the connection of like, if you like, uh, you know, movies like The Stand, Carrie. Uh, Christine. Rose Red, Christine, thank you. Go grab so, Stephen King. Classic Kujo, Children of the Corn is Stephen
1: King. Uh, oh, we, I could spend all day telling you. thinner. there's another one that's uh, a classic. And there's, then you've got your It. Um, there's so much. Uh, I mean, Dark Tower may not be horror, but that's from the same uh, uh, author. Then you've got your Interview with the Vampire, uh, your Queen of the Damned from Anne Rice, You've got your oh, I could go on for days.
0: Yeah, and the, but you know, but the, that's all I'm saying is a lot of the films have been based on, you know, novels, or a lot of the novels have been based on the films. So it's really easy to find crossovers and hybrids that exist in every genre. So those are just some of the ideas that we have for writing what's scary. Uh, the other thing is to go and have experiences. And here's where we're going to mention some local attractions. Like I just said, the Winchester Mansion is one. Uh, If you're around California, uh, you can also check out the Pirates of Emerson Valley. It is a haunted attraction in which uh, you go through and get touched and chased by undead pirates. Uh, You can actually go through several experiences. One, the Mystery Mansion, then Hillbilly Holler, the Pirates of Emerson Valley, the Maze Haze, and the Dorm of Doom. Each experience actually gets you close, very close to the action and uh, begins to uh, terrify you as you go through the um, terrifying experience of the Pirates of Emerson Valley. My husband also shared one with me yesterday and we actually watched uh, a video about it. And this place actually freaks me out. So it's a place called... Mechamie Manor, I believe I'm, I hopefully really I'm pronouncing McKinney that. Mechanie right. Manor, um, yes, in Tennessee,
1: where they if you make it through, and no one has ever made it through. If you make it through their 24 hours or their overnight, you get 20k. If you make it through, think yeah. But this is like extreme horror. We're talking about you're not allowed to touch them. They're allowed to touch you, and I mean, get in your face, stick you in freezers, lock you in, tie you up, scream in your face. <laughs> Slap you with blood, fake blood, everything. Abuse you, scream at you, swear at you. Oh, yes, I've heard of this place, and it's nobody's gotten through it.
0: Yeah, and I actually, uh, after watching some videos yesterday, I realized that that guy probably has a huge uh, background in psychology. Because some of it seemed to be extremely psychological. And some of it seemed to be real. Like there were actually people getting physically buried. Uh, His
1: background is actually, I believe he's a veteran. Uh, If I didn't, don't mistake it. I read about it a little bit. He's a veteran, but he's also, uh, he has a background in theater. He started out in California and then he moved over to Tennessee. He moved everything over to Tennessee when he made a move from Cali to Tennessee. And he's restarted there, but he, he is a veteran um, and he's got a theater background, and he combines those two experiences to do this McKenney house.
0: And it looks terrifying. So, <laughs> <laughs>
1: terrifying. Um, And on our side of the border, folks, don't forget Niagara Falls. We've got a Nightmare's Fear factory during Halloween season. Uh, you've got your strip during every day where you've got the Dracula house on the strip. You've got uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not. You've got a whole strip to do every day of the year. But Niagara Falls Scary House is Nightmare's Fair Factory on Victoria Avenue, if you ever want to check that one out.
0: Yeah, so don't discount, you know, going through experiences to get kind of some inspiration and maybe scare the living crap out of yourself. And um, so, um, you know, there's some, just some ideas if you're trying to get into the horror genre um I think one of the things we should be covering is in this is like how we're tying this to writing. But I think we did a really good job of explaining like research, research, research is something we've said every episode and it never gets old. That's the third, first uh,
1: three rules is research, research,
0: research. <laughs> right. And I think that everybody, you know, should. And um, sometimes um, getting into horror is very difficult. And sometimes, it's going to take a lot of you to kind of disassociate yourself from what is going on. And I know that not everybody can do that. And some people will never be able to sit through certain kinds of horror. And so you should never force yourself to sit through things that are uncomfortable and and don't do anything that's dangerous to, you know, to make yourself feel like you are doing, you know, accurate reconstruction research. (laughs) You don't have to do it in order to understand it. Um, But it's okay to, you know, tell yourself what is uh, scary enough for you. So don't be afraid, like if you're writing for kids, stick to the R.L. Stein sort of area where you're scaring them to a degree, but not psychologically damaging them. So kids are much um, more easy to scare than adults because adults, like I said, are awfully old curmudgeons like us who get very um it's very hard to scare us (laughs) um but kids still have like you said they see they still see monsters so it's not so hard to manipulate them all to a a little degree and make them afraid Uh, and Arnold Stein does a very good job of that for for the kids genre um because he gets into their head and it gives them easy perceptions of fear without terrifying them. So if you want to start your kids, you know, if your kids say, I want to watch a scary movie, start with something that's around the PG mark. Um, because when you're graduating from G, PG is actually a lot scarier than it was in our generation. So we'll start with like R.L. Stein or uh, what's that one, G.L. that was in Canada? Is that still on goosebumps? the YA network? the yeah goosebumps and there was another one um i think they probably both are in syndicate at this point yeah there was like a ghost stories one where like teenagers used to gather around a fire and i I remember i
1: remember that i just the tip of my tongue and it's just not coming to me
0: Yeah, but like I said, there's the Goosebumps, which is the R.L. Stein series, and uh, there are other ones that are sort of in the PG um, category that you could kind of get away with. Like Frankenweenie is actually kind of a little bit scary for kids. Um, You could go with any of the films by our beloved Tim Burton, and that might be a little bit frightening for kids. Like uh, Nightmare Before Christmas can actually be frightening to a kid who's only watched rated G. So like, don't, don't feel like you have to go to extremes when your child starts saying, can I watch a scary movie, can I watch a scary movie? But as you progress, um, understand that today's R is al- almost rated X. So um, be really, really, really cautious when your child grows up as to what films you're exposing them to. Because not every kid can handle the, the modern rated R. Uh, it's quite graphic, often involves a lot of uncomfortable topics. And unless your child is completely ready for that, don't just leap into there. But if you're an adult, um, take yourself as far as you can go. You know, what what scares you? Like for me, I can't deal with eye anything, like anything that involves eyes, oh, the new one in eye surgery. you rather
1: than, because at the end of that, there is this eye thing that would totally make you cringe it makes me cringe and nothing really bothers me much and yeah i can't handle that let's just say it involves a razor blade and willingly yeah no i couldn't even watch it
0: can't do it uh there was one horror movie a while ago i think it was with a quite famous actress where she had an eye transplant she took an eye from uh, alba yeah and then she saw what they saw that just freaked me right out yeah nope no, you. I believe the actual uh, so movie I'm... is
1: called The Eye or something like that. And the one you were looking for with the teens around the fire uh was Are You Afraid of the
0: Dark? Yeah, that's it. Are you afraid of the Dark? that was a really good um good series. I don't know if that's still on, but no, good. it's
1: syndicate, So, Unfortunately. I... I wish they would bring it back, because today's
0: age that would actually do very well. Yeah, and it it was actually pretty good. When you were when you're a kid, it was pretty pretty scary. But all I'm saying is like don't push yourself beyond what you can deal with and when looking at writing i mean maybe push yourself a little bit and think like writing for your particular fear uh involve things that make you feel uncomfortable because chances are somebody has that similar fear is there any other notes that you want to give shield when it comes to mixing this and kind of orienting it back to writing
1: well, uh, you know, like any other genre, just write, 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 research, research, research. And, you know, even if, you know, you think it's crud, it's not. You know, because, again, where who's your worst critic is your own self. So don't forget to actually test your horror on someone else as well. Someone you trust, someone you can, who will give you that constructive criticism and so forth and not sugarcoat it either.
0: Yeah, and don't be afraid to just have fun with it and really go beyond the limits um, because horror allows us to, like we have said throughout this whole episode, corrupt the innocent, break what's natural, turn our world upside down, give you weird perceptions about things that you wouldn't have weird perceptions of, and really break the rules. And horror is about breaking any norm that you possibly have and doing something unexpected. So with that in mind, We're going to wrap this episode up, but we invite you to come in next time because we're going to be talking about the apocalypse and end times. How in the world do you write about end times when we're kind of living in them? So how do we write about that and thinking about the future? With all that coming next time, we want to thank you all very much for listening to the Nevermore podcast, and we're going to wish you a happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.